0: So, I had just graduated from college and I got to go to an internship at a Calvary Baptist church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And the guy who was my mentor was Pastor Austin. He was about five foot four and ran around really quickly. And uh, this was a fairly large church, and um, he was a pretty central figure in that process. And so during that time, I got to learn from him, and, and he would. I even got one-on-one time with him. And I had this great regret. And the regret was I didn't realize who I was talking to. See, I knew he knew more than me, but I didn't realize how much more he knew than me. I knew that he had been successful at what he had done, but I didn't realize the spiritual giant that he was. And so we would have these times and I would learn from him and I would ask some questions, but I also had these really strong opinions, believe it or not, about how they should be doing church. Now, I've just graduated from college. I don't know anything about anything. I have never done anything. I've never accomplished anything ministry-wise in my life. And I'm interacting with him as though we're kind of equals. I hugely regret it. There's probably, there's, there's probably not a year that goes by that I don't have the thought, oh my goodness, if I had only gleaned more from Pastor Austin when I had the chance. You see, being an armchair quarterback, an armchair quarterback is the person who probably never played, Or if he has, he's barely played. He's never coached, or if he has, he's barely ever coached. He's certainly never coached to the level of a college team or an NFL team. But they sit in their couch, we sit in our couch, and we scream at the player on the screen. As if we know what play he should have made, the way he should have stood, the way he should have caught that, what he should have done. We literally think, we're all that why because we have no idea who we are talking to now you do need to understand that i coached tate's Wee football team to a 500 record so i do know what i'm talking about now what's the opposite of that the opposite of that is this this desk right here uh, diane uses this desk And she is uh, so focused on getting work done. She doesn't sit in an easy chair. She doesn't even sit in a soft chair. She stands while she works. This represents a hungry student. You see, whenever you get around someone and you actually do know who you're talking to, and you realize they're a giant at what they do, your focus is, I, I, the way you talk to them, the way you interact with them, changes dramatically. You're so pleased to be able to be in their presence, and you have questions, and you interact with them as a hungry student. You see, your understanding of what God of what God is really shapes everything else in your life. Including, but especially, the way you pray. So, do you know who you're talking to? Now, we could, we could focus on a lot of different characteristics of God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's sovereign. There are so many characteristics of God that impact you and the way you pray. But today, we're going we're to focus on one. But before we do, when you think of God, who do you think of? Who do you think you're talking to? Do you see someone who is all-powerful but disinterested? Do you see someone that has kind of a plan for your life, but it's not the best plan? Do you see someone who gives great plans to other people, but he doesn't really have one for you? Do you see somebody who's kind of grumpy? Or maybe he's just really old, and he has a good heart, but he's not that powerful. How do you see God? As nosy, as mean, judgmental, super easygoing, kind of doesn't really care that much. How do you how do you see God when when you approach God when you pray to God? What what do you see in your mind's eye? What do you how do you emotionally respond to who you're about to talk to? Last week, we discovered that he wants to hear from you, that the beginning is it's all about the heart. How do you respond to God? Well, we're going we're to focus on God's goodness today because it hugely impacts the way you pray. You see, the Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind, and his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Let's jump into, wait a minute, who is this that I'm talking to? Because God is always good, God's plans for my life will always be good. Because God is always good, God's plans for my life will always be good. Now invariably when someone, uh, when I talk to somebody about this and, and I would say almost to the person and we talk about the plan for their life, what, what comes to mind? Where I should work. Who I should marry. Where I should live. Like, does God have this plan mapped out for my life? And I I keep asking God, which house should I buy? Which house should I buy? Should I buy this house? Should I buy that house? It doesn't seem like he's saying anything. Well, although that can be part of the plan, God's plan for your life has everything to do with who you are, who you impact, And where you end up. Who you are. Your character. Who you impact. Who you interact with and the way you interact with them. Or who you draw from. And then where you end up. For God, it really matters where you end up. It's a a big deal. Because it's his plan for your life. We read this passage last week. I know that I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you. Not plans to hurt you. My plans will give you hope and a good future. And when you call to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. Now, we made a note last week that he says this in Jeremiah to the Israelites who then go into 70 years of captivity. So this plan is not about how you can get the best and the most amazing house This plan is not about how you can work hard just to the bone until you're 65 and then you can do nothing for the rest of your life. This plan has to do with who you are, who you interact, who, who you impact, how you deal with the circumstances of life, and then where you end up. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is a huge step, right? Who is God? Who am I talking to? I'm talking to someone who has promised me and who has the power to take everything that happens in life and turn it upside down. People who are trying to hurt you he has the ability to turn that for good. People who are who uh, who betray you, he has the ability to work in your life in such a way. He has a plan for taking that and making and doing something in your character that turns it for good. Wow. Can you imagine talking to someone who so loves you, who is so good, that no matter what happens in this day, he is going to turn that for your good. Your plan was to hurt me. This comes from Joseph. Matter of fact, let me tell you the story of Joseph before we get here. J- Joseph is the one who had the coat of many colors. Joseph was uh, born into a family, uh, and he had 10, he had uh, actually 11 brothers, uh, one that was younger than him, and, uh, and 10 of them that were older than him. Um, there was one man, and they had it was a polygamous marriage, and so he had uh, married someone, and then he married somebody else, and the first 10 came from this mother, and the... Next two came from Rachel. You you guys know a little bit about blended families. You know a little bit about all of the jealousy and the things that can happen in these situations. Well, it happened in this family. And so as Joseph grew up, the father made a huge mistake and he loved Joseph and Benjamin more than he loved the other ten. And they became very, very jealous. And on top of that, Joseph had a dream where he said, you know what, one day all ten of you are going to bow down to me. And mom and dad, you're going to bow down to me too. Try this at Thanksgiving, guys. Stand up at Thanksgiving and go, listen, had a dream last night. All of you are going to become my servants. Just see how that goes over. And so then Joseph was sent to... uh, check on his brothers who were shepherds and, and he went to check on them and they took him and they threw. They were first going to kill him and then they said, no, let's kill him, let's sell him into slavery. They threw him in a pit and some folks came by and they sold him. They, he, he went off to Egypt. They went back and told dad he died and got eaten. And uh, so then he's a slave. But God blesses him and, and he becomes the top slave and his life really improves and he, he's doing really well, and then the, his slave owner's wife thinks he's really good looking. And she tries to seduce him and get him to be with her, and, and he says, no, I can't do that. And then his boss goes away and puts him in charge of everything, and the wife comes in and says, here I am, baby, come on. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. And she grabs his coat, he runs out, and she screams, rape, rape. And so when the boss comes back, he gets sent to prison. Prison is bad today, but nothing compared to what it was like then. And then he God raises him up in prison. And he does great, and it's just fantastic. You see the plan of life, right? What's happening here with Joseph? And you're like, whoa, this is not good. But God raises him up again and and he has a chance to get out of prison and he, they, they, he, he actually interprets a dream for the king and then they just forget him in prison. And then finally, he has a dream about what's going to happen for the future and the king hears it and he brings him out and he puts him in charge. He becomes the second most important person in all the world. What a What a life. And then there's famine in the land and Egypt is the only country that has grain. And so his brothers, who sold him into slavery, have to come and ask for the grain. And this statement comes right after, they didn't know Joseph was the one that they had sold to slavery, right after he tells them, I'm Joseph. And they're like, no, don't, don't kill us, don't kill us. He says this, your plan was to hurt me. Wrestle with that for a little bit. You're sold into slavery by your brothers. Would you not think you were abandoned by God? God blesses you. Accused of rape and sent to prison, would you not think you were abandoned by God? Forgotten in prison, would you not think you were abandoned by God? But God turned your evil plan into a good plan. Because God is good to save the lives of many people. So we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. Now, sometimes people take that and they're like, oh, my goodness, you just ran over my foot. Oh, praise God, you ran over my foot. I'm so glad you ran over my foot. No, 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 wait. He's going to turn that for good. Okay, It's not that God's like, man, I just hate your foot, run over it. He's going to turn that for good. Is it good to have your foot run over? I just want to be clear about this. No. No. Is God so good, he can turn that for good? He can use that trial for good? Absolutely. He is so good. I have this question for you. What actual plan do you have for your life? When you pray do you bring your plan Is your prayer life that you have a plan sort of In other words if I if I ask you to give me your plan for your life in two sentences or three what would it be And do you come to God going, God, I've got this incredible plan right here. Please make it happen. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Is your plan good? I don't mean do you think it's good. I mean, is it good? Can it make others good? Has it? Has the plan for your life, right, the one you've been working on, has it made others good? Do you come to God going, God, bless my plan. If you do, you don't know who you're talking to. The one who's good has the good plan. Number two, God always gives me whatever I need, not what I deserve. God always gives me whatever I need, not what I deserve. We're going to kind of read through these verses, and i got a simple question for you. He has not treated us as we deserve, for our sins are paid for us, are paid us, for our sins are paid us, can somebody help me? Back for our wrongs. You guys did a good job. You're good. Okay. In his goodness, he has taken our sins away. And removed them as far as the east is from the west. So the most foundational part of this goodness is, he has not given us what we deserve for our sin, but he has taken that sin on him, and he's forgiven us. So, first and foremost... In your life, I want you to kind of work this through, right? In your life, what do you deserve? Let's make this simple. Let's just go for the first five years of your life. If you got what you deserve based on what you did during the first five years of your life, what would you deserve? Let's go maybe six. I remember this story. This is a crazy story. I'm only telling it maybe because I want to. It's a crazy story. We lived, we lived in this huge, It was a pretty big old farmhouse, and uh, it was old and, and kind of run down, and it had this attic that was like three stories, maybe four stories high. I can't remember, but it was quite the, sto- quite the deal to get up in the attic. It was really dark, and there was these paint cans up in the attic, and I, 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 I had to go to the bathroom. I was probably six years old. I had to go to the bathroom, and there was these paint cans, and they had some paint in them, and I was like, oh, they don't even matter anymore, whatever. It's too much work to go downstairs. So I peed in the paint can. Right? A day later, I found out they weren't old cans that nobody was using. Those were my dad's cans that he was using. Now, I remembered the thought process I had of The right thing to do is to go downstairs and go to the bathroom. But I don't want to. If I get what I deserve, I'm in trouble. How about you? Jesus understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly with confidence to the throne of our gracious God. God understands all that. He knows all of what I went through. He is so good. He not only doesn't give me what I deserve, he invites me into his presence, knowing everything about me. Amazing! There we will receive his mercy, and we will find the grace to help us when we need it. Wow, God is good. He doesn't give us what we deserve, but what we need. God put my good above his own good. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. And I will sacrifice my life for my sheep. Do you know this about God? Do you interact with God this way? When you go to prayer with God, do you go to prayer with someone who always puts your good in front of him? He sacrifices so you can have good. Jesus died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God filling us with God's goodness. That's what it means to build your life on grace. You understand by grace God has given me his goodness. That's who I relate to. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave up Christ for us all, won't he now also give us everything else that we need? The third question is, Where has God held back from you? Knowing this is what God has done for you and continues to do for you, where has God ever held back from you? Where has he ever had something you needed but he didn't give it to you? Number four, he he does not say yes to every request. You fathers of your children asked for a fish to eat, if your children, I don't know what's the matter this morning, if your children ask for a fish to eat, would you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, as a sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In other words, do you know who you're talking to? He's the best dad in the universe. Do you, do you think for a second when you ask for something and it's not good for you, he's going to give it to you? Would we have any teeth if our parents gave us everything we asked for? Would your children wear any clothes if they got everything they ever asked for? What would you be like if your parents gave you everything you ever asked for? What happens when your parents give you what you asked for? You ask for more. But never in the right direction, right? And so God doesn't give. He doesn't answer everything. The next one is, is a really cool story, and I, I, I never saw this the way I did last night when I was reviewing this. I was reviewing this, and, and this story happened. This is a Latino mom, right? I did not know they had Latino moms in the Bible. This is a Latino mom. They call they I bet I bet they didn't put this in the Bible, but I bet they called your senorita. I, I bet they did. So Jesus is doing all these things. He is healing people. He's making a difference in people's lives. And then he gives this speech to his followers, his disciples. He says, listen, listen, you don't want to go where I'm going to go. I am about to be put on a cross. I'm about to be beaten, and I'm about to be crucified. You don't want to go where I'm going to go. It says, and then... Two of the disciples' moms, one was Zebedee. I can't remember the other person's name. One was Zebedee. She comes to Jesus. Now listen, you've got to get this picture, right? Jesus is 30 years old. He's now 32, 33. He is being followed by a group of men for three years. At the end of the three years, these are men. At the end of the three years, his mom shows up. And goes, hey, come here, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about my boys. Would you, when you get to the kingdom of heaven, would you put my one son on your right-hand side and my other son on your left-hand side? Because they're the best, they're the best boys. And Jesus says this. Jesus replied, you don't realize what you're asking for. You don't want your boys to go what I'm going to go through. God says, my thoughts are completely different from yours and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth and so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We we don't know who we're talking to. We don't know all of what he knows. So he is good. And because he is good, he does not say yes to all of what you ask for and what I ask for. He only gives us what's good for us. Number five, he invites us to live with him for, oh, the question I want to ask after that is this. In your prayer life, what are you asking for? In your prayer life, what are you asking for? And as you ask, are you asking for things that are spiritual, eternal, and a reaction to what God says is good? Or are you bringing your own plan and asking him to fill in that plan from your perspective? Number five, he invites us to live with him forever. Our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, who loves us has, given us, has given us by his grace an everlasting encouragement and a good hope that will last forever. May this encourage your heart and give you strength for every good thing you do and say. God, Jesus, Jesus, has invited you to live with him forever. Remember what I said? What's his plan about? His plan about is, is about who you become. It's who you are. It's who you love, who you impact, and who impacts you. And it's where you end up. Are you going to be able to say this? Can you say this? Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you have a plan for where you're going to live for all of eternity? I want you to identify this plan. I want you to be able to say, this is my plan. I plan on living here forever. Where is that plan? Where is that place? I'm going to guess most of you think heaven. Well, what's your plan? Do you know who you're talking to? Most people plan that they will live their lives, they'll stand before God, and they'll hope for the best. Other people have a plan that God is someone who doesn't really care how you live your life and who you are. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. Everybody goes to heaven, and so you're part of everybody, and you're going to get in. Is that your plan? A number of people look at God as, as, a, as kind of a, a grandfather who just looks the other way. And although it wouldn't be right for you to go to heaven because... Look at how you live. Look at what you've done. And you go like, yeah, but but I did some good things. And and God says, good things don't cancel out bad things. It doesn't work that way. When a bad person does a good thing, it doesn't make them a good person. Have you ever identified your plan? Have you ever written it down? Are you waiting for the day it happens? That's a bad plan. Do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to someone who has invited you to join him for all of eternity. That is a good God so here's our prayer for this week I'm going to read it and then later we're going to pray it's this Lord keep me from paying attention to what is worthless here's what our questions were in terms of do you know who you're talking to what is the plan you have for your life Prayer is an opportunity to talk to the God of the universe who has a very specific plan for you and your life. Who are you talking to? Are you, do you come to prayer and go, you know what? I'm just talking to somebody who has a plan, not the plan. Now, this is amazing. His plan is a thousand times better than your plan, and it is the plan. Or do you come to God like I did to Pastor Austin? Oh, Pastor Austin, that's great stuff. I'm glad you have that to say, but I've been observing some things. You know, I think the church needs to You know, last week when they were talking about giving, I don't think they should have said it that way. What if you received what you deserve? Do you sit in this chair and go, you know, God, I see what you give to him, and I saw what you gave to her, and I saw what you gave to them, and I saw what you you did with that church over there. time. I want some of that. Or do you understand who you're talking to? What are you asking for? The armchair quarterback, the armchair quarterback lives in in la-la land and what they ask for, and what they think needs to happen on that team, they're wrong. Where do you plan to live forever? You know what the scariest thing is? The scariest thing is that you're sitting in this chair pretending That you have a plan because you believe in something you've made up. And you actually think the person you're talking to will change eternity to fit your plan. If you ever write that plan down on paper, you'd be you're gonna be like, wait, that, that's not gonna work. So How about we do this how about we become hungry students together how about for the rest of the the stronger together we we begin to not only personally impact or personally interact with god as good as a we're we're hungry students we want to know what god wants How about about we don't bring to God what we think, and how about we don't share with God what he ought to be doing? Now, to share God, your heart, we, we talked about that last week, right? You bring who you are. You bring that to him. That's fantastic. A hungry student can go, hey, this is where I am. But then, they're like, God, I know who I'm talking. And I don't I don't have something to give to you, but I sure do. I I want it from you And let's pray this prayer. Let's pray it now Lord Keep me from paying attention To what is worthless The things that I think will make me happy that are so empty the things of this earth that are just They're just show Instead, let me live by your word. I want to obey your principles, Lord. I want to know who I'm talking to. And I don't want to talk to a false God. I want to talk to you. And I want to live your way. I want to choose your way over the other way. Every day I want to walk, I want to wake up and go, okay, I know God's plan for my life. It's to live my life his way. Lord, please renew my life with your goodness. Everything we talked about today. Don't give me what I deserve. Give me what I need. Don't answer my questions. Don't When I, when I ask for hurtful things, don't give me that. Give me what I need. Lord, revive my heart. Cleanse my heart so I can see you for who you are the one who has forgiven me of my sins and who wants to take me to live with him forever revive my small group Lord help us in my group, a group of men to move beyond answering questions well this is what I should do and answering questions as if if we know who you are when we don't help us To come together and challenge each other and teach each other and remind each other of who we're talking to. And lastly, Lord, revive our church. You know that so many of us, we're spread all over the place. And first, revive that core group of people that that are here this morning and will be watching this week. That we as a church, we know who we're talking to. And then, Lord, for those who scattered, they, they, they they, they were disconnected, they got picked off. Lord, somehow give us a way to get back to them. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being so amazingly good. In your name we pray, amen.